Welcome to the Feel Better Make It podcast. Real life, real women, no shame. We take it from drop it like it's hot to I can't get off the toilet. In this podcast, we tackle questions about real issues women have to face with their body, life, love, and their career. Every week, Dr. Letitia and Dr. Jennifer, both physical therapists and business owners, will share from their life experiences and expertise on their journey to feeling better naked. Join us as we ask the questions you've never asked and have fun while doing it. Welcome, everyone, to our new episode, Sit to Pee, Don't Squat. Today, we're going to be talking about the top three reasons why you need to be sitting down while you pee or poop. Um, I am excited to talk about this because I am a public physical therapist south of Atlanta. Today, I've got my amazing co-host, Dr. Letitia here. Dr. Letitia, how are things on your end? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I know we're progressing in uh, the month. I'm trying to, you know, get my, reclaim my glory now that I've hit that 40 milestone. You know, I think, I think once that you hit that little corner, you know, you wake up a little bit stiffer. (laughs) for some reason like oh these bones feel like they're 40 now but no other than that you know everything's going well um definitely working on building up uh, in health coaching um as if this is your first time listening i'm also a licensed physical therapist on practice in indianapolis indiana and also a certified health coach so working on building in that uh practice and helping more women that's great. Congratulations on that. I'm excited to see where that goes for you. Um, so we will kind of just dive right into all of this. Um, again, we are a team of physical therapists. Um, I'm a pelvic physical therapist. Dr. Letitia specializes in treating women over 35 and runners as well, and now a health coach. But we want to bring both of our perspectives, different women growing up in the same region in the country, on what this topic is about, sit to pee, don't squat. So I'm going to ask Dr. Letitia first, because I can, um, tell me, do you sit, we're going to take this back, sit to pee, don't squat in public. Do mm. you sit or do you squat when you pee? Okay, so we have we've already talked about this offline, but... I know when you're growing up, it was, you were not, it was like that toilet seat in public was the plague is on that. Do not be touching anything. You're going to use the squat method to go to the bathroom in public. Now, now they have these little fancy seat covers and things, but we used to use, you know, that was to pee. Now you have to go number two. We use the good old toilet paper method, wrapping that toilet paper on the sides and make sure you hit that cross on the front two before you sit down into this day public places i'm still using that squat method i may have to use the handrail to hold myself in that squat position now Now because of my knee for my uh, right knee surgery that i had still healing from that but yes so you're saying to keep strong on the glutes quads hamstrings so you can continue to squat yeah yeah pretty much you need to use all those muscles so as we get past 40 maybe you don't have the choice anymore maybe you're having to sit which is very serious like yeah knee back problems like maybe you can do that in your 20 and 30s but when you hit that 40 50 and beyond 
we don't have a choice now. Yes, you may have to. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely want to talk more and, and hit some top reasons, the top three reasons why we should be sitting to pee and not squatting for our pelvic floor and bladder health and bowel health. But before we dive into that, just want to talk about some of what we both grew up. My perspective is very similar, my upbringing on you need to, in public, lay the toilet paper down. Um, for some reason, Letitia and I were talking about this. You know, we learned about STDs in school, and I thought I was, <laughs> I thought, I think I was in actually sixth grade, like I was going to get crabs. <laughs> Y'all know what those are. Uh, for some reason, they were just going to, things are jumping on me, which is my issue. I'm, I know I'm not the only one. But it was this thing that, in general, modesty was really important in my home. We didn't talk about pee. We didn't talk about poop. We didn't fart. We didn't burp. And so it was just kind of something I developed. But also, if you think about in school, when kids are all squatting to pee, if you want to sit, because my daughter is in second grade, she said, Mom, I don't want to sit. There's pee all over the toilet. And then there's poop sometimes that not flush. And so she thinks that people have butt germs. So, um, so anyways, you know, if we're all squatting and we're taught to do that, then yeah, there's going to be pee all over the toilet seat. But yeah, a lot of this is just how we're grown, you know, taught, um, by our moms, grandmothers. Now, when it comes to your home, everyone's probably sitting, um, some women teach themselves to stand. And this for men or women, most men are going to stand, some sit. When it comes to having a bowel movement, you're almost, to to try to have a bowel movement and squat, and I'll tell you a quick story. I went to China, and my doctorate program in PT school, this was my um, research, essentially, (laughs) research in China. But we went, a group of uh, four of us, and we were all constipated the whole time we were there because in China, they don't most places did not have toilets to sit on and we weren't used to squatting to poop. So, so most people are going to obviously sit to have a bowel movement, but the history of this, I think a lot of it is going to be personally how you're raised. And this is really uh, an American perspective and how we both grew up, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with your girl on that, that pee all on the seat and everything everywhere. I mean, I'm sure the boys bathroom is just terrible too because we is probably everywhere and look we know that doesn't change still at home we have our guys at home that we are having there's remnants that are on the floor in front of the (laughs) in front of the door but yeah the whole squatting situation I have had to do my poor thing oh I remember a little story when my son was younger I was doing a track club and he was probably ooh maybe four or five and maybe four or so and we were at all day track meet and of course at all day track meets outside what are out there for you the bathroom the good old porta pots poor thing poor thing he had to go to the bathroom I'm trying to hold him over the toilet as he's trying to poop so he's in the air and I'm holding his little body because that little thing was so nasty and I felt so bad for him because I was thinking, I don't think I can, if somebody's holding me, I'm going to be able to, holding me in the air. If I'm going to be able, <laughs> I'm sweating in there, bending forward, trying to hold my breath and hold him up. Like, come on, go, go, go. <laughs> so yes, the trials of trying to poop in the air, let alone being 
a toddler in yeah. public. So I've had a time where I'm like, uh-uh, I don't care. Any amount of toilet paper, whatever's on the seat is going up through the paper and it's going to attack, it's going to get on me. I've had, I've, I have stood <laughs> to poop before. It's a challenge, but I got it done. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the reasons why it's important to sit. So again, when we look at the pelvic floor muscles, they are like a, it's like a bowl or a sling or sometimes be like a hammock. All those muscles on the inside of the pelvis support the bladder. Uh, if you're a female, the uterus and the colon rectum there. If we are standing, we know, or squatting, we know that those pelvic floor muscles are turned on in almost like a contraction, like you're flexing. So those muscles are just turned on. And so one of the reasons to really sit is to fully relax those muscles to empty your bladder. And this goes into bladder health conversation. Um, most of us aren't really taught that we need to, when we need to go, how often, but here's some general information. You should be urinating around six to eight times a day, depending on the fluid you take in. You should be able to hold your urine about two hours. Um, again, it's dependent on diuretics, so caffeine, alcohol consumption, carbonated water, but if you are, for, for instance, Dr. Letitia and I were both at one point home health therapists, so we were driving to people's homes, which meant you had to go to rest uh, areas or um, ga gas stations to, to pee. If you're squatting and holding, you're not fully emptying that bladder. And so it could be about 10 minutes later, now you have to pee again. Or 30 minutes later and you really haven't drank a lot and then now you have to pee again and that can go along with discomfort. So it can lead, if you're repetitively doing that at work, at school, college, wherever you're listening, you're creating this situation where your bladder's not fully emptying. Gotcha. So what is that when your bladder is not fully emptying and that becomes a chronic thing? <clears throat> what are some of the complications that now can occur from that? And what do you do, obviously, change into, you know, obviously sitting down, that helps with fully emptying your bladder. But what are, do you think, some other strategies that can also help uh, with that? Yeah, so so that top, you know, reason to relax pelvic floor will kind of lead into the second top reason is for good bladder health. Um because what can, if you're holding urine in repetitively, there's a couple things that can lead to. One is a urinary tract infection. If you are a female, a lot of us get these at some point in our life. And a urinary tract infection is going to feel burning while you pee. Um, it can be painful before you urinate, or if it moves along really quickly, you're getting fever, body aches. And so if we're retaining a lot of urine and not fully emptying, it could lend to that. Also, it can lend to urinary leakage. A lot of women come see us as a pelvic health physical therapy clinic. They're leaking and they always say, I've got a strength in my pelvic floor. Well, if we're not fully emptying and then we're going to work out and we think that we're emptying, but you've got your bladder still half full, um, you could have some urinary leakage there and um, that can be, you know, create a problem. When we look at the pelvic floor muscles, they don't just contract and kegel. 
um, kegels aren't the answer. Just to let you all know, if you're hearing this for the first time, kegels are not the answer. But we also need those pelvic floor muscles to really lengthen and be healthy in that way. And I can go on to why that's important, but I don't know if you have any follow-up questions about what I just said. Okay, just to move on back, kegels. Describe what those are, why are they prescribed, and why have they been seen as the gold standard or the only remedy for women in their in, in urinary uh, or strength, strength, you know, it's always been every time you, you're going to do a search and if somebody's like, oh, I'm having issues, even issues down there, yeah. leakage after having a baby or as we progress into becoming a little, you know, a little bit older, the first thing that pops up probably a hundred percent on all Google searches is going to be kegels. What are they first <laughs> and how, and what, what, what are they? What's the purpose of them and why are they not the go-to for everybody's condition? Yeah, so a Kegel is going to be where you try to hold your urine in. That's what a maybe healthcare provider would be like, squeeze the muscles like you're trying to hold your pee. So what a Kegel really is, is where you're contracting the pelvic floor muscles and lifting them up because those muscles compress and lift. There is a physician back in the day named Dr. Kegel, he found that these muscles were able to contract. And so the term was Kegels, which has been around for decades. A lot of physicians, and it it is helpful to have pelvic floor muscles that can serve to control your bladder. Essentially, we want that. But we also know that that's not the reason or primary reason why someone's leaking. There are a lot of factors that lead to that. But when we look at... um, we will dive into this in future uh, podcast episodes, but when we look at postpartum care in our country, you're given one visit as a mom, and that visit with the OBGYN or midwife is going to be about 10, 15 minutes when you're six weeks out. They don't have tons of time, so they're going to want to make sure you are not in sepsis, that you're pathologically everything's fine, and by the way, just go ahead and do those kegels because we know a baby has either come through the abdominal wall or out of the vaginal canal, let's go ahead and do those because that's all they've got the time to tell you to do. I'm not saying, I'm not defending the physicians or healthcare providers, but they really only are giving you so many time. The ACOG has now recommended, the American Association for Obstetrician and Gynecological Association has now stated that every woman in America and the world, there's other countries doing this, should have a physical therapy visit after giving birth. It's not recommended because we want to know, is the Kegel what you need? Because I have clients postpartum that are dealing with pressure, leakage, pain. They think they have a prolapse, which is where the vaginal canal opens and comes into the opening. So Kegels, if someone is dealing with an overactive bladder, because everyone will hear that, where they're peeing all the time, or you're constipated and now we're Kegling, you're just feeding into the problem and maybe creating a longer term issue or making it worse. Yeah. So it's basically adding fuel to the fire in a lot of people's conditions instead of this is just a global exercise to do. You get your little pop-up visit saying at six weeks or whatever, Oh, you're, you're ready to go. You go back to exercise, you know, start slow and do some kegels. 
<laughs> and that's the and that's the and that's the advice you get. And then everybody jumps in and says, "All right, I've been cleared by the doctor. Now I can go back into boot camp." So, and then these boot camp trainers know, like, wait a second, or you know, they they if their mothers themselves particularly, like, mm, like you're cleared, but. And there's a lot of awareness now that what pelvic, the pelvic floor is and how important it is to recovery. But um, even though you're cleared by the doctor, that doesn't really say what happened for you specifically. Because I have women that have a very overactive or what people might say tight vagina. Don't like that term. That's not a good. <laughs> you got to keep it another, tight. got to keep it right. <laughs> that's another thing. But but they have completely fine vaginal bursts, and they still have overactive or high tone pelvic floors postpartum. They do not need to kegel. So it's just everyone's unique, and no one teaches you this ever. So then you're just guessing, like I guess I'm doing a kegel. So maybe you're squeezing your glutes, which is counterproductive, or squeezing your stomach, which can also create leakage. So this is going into very heavy. <laughs> pelvic floor lesson but just saying you know back to that reason of bladder health and you know we want to really know that urinary leakage is not tied to being weak in the pelvic floor yeah i think that's a really important key like you said it's not necessarily tied to being weak and then on top of that i don't know as far as education i think i would say grossly definitely in the african-american women population education is not there it's not widely known anywhere that these are the process you need to do because after that six week you know what a six week checkup if somebody was like i'm focused on getting my body back i want to get my body back so they have a newborn they're getting no sleep (laughs) but then you have to try to squeeze in that time to exercise so i'm going to go to the go to the trainer the trainers have no clue the majority of trainers if you go in there and say Hey, my goal is weight loss. They're going to give you the same weight loss programs they give everybody else is go in there and kill you. Do box jumps, squats, lunges, all this stuff, because they're trying to prove that we can do these high intense workouts to try to get you back. There's no education that's known because there are some trainers that do know, but majority of trainers, they either do the weekend course in, in training that teaches you how to train normal, healthy people. <laughs> But they do not have any other knowledge that's going to be able to have someone that's got a history of knee pain, back pain. They'll just say, okay, do the modification. And the person will say, well, the trainer just told me to do modification. So that's normal. I'll go along, you know, with that. So it definitely, there's significant holes in, in when you're talking about, that's another thing, kind of, talking about kind of racial disparities or region specific. Yeah, there is racial disparities because we just, um, <laughs> that this is part of our podcast of, of prejudice and making assumptions. And um, I would also agree region specific. Um, I think different parts of the, the country, different pockets. Uh, when we look at metropolitan areas, you're typically going to have more progressive forward thinking um, people, but but that doesn't really correlate with the total population because in Atlanta, there's 3 million plus people in the area. So um, I would say from my perspective and my personal experience, I wasn't a pelvic physical therapist through giving birth. And um, I just didn't even ask and didn't know at all myself. And I had all these friends around me having babies and nobody was talking about it. And we were both 
physical therapist. So you would have thought. It's a such, it's so disappointing, but we just were not educated. And um, when we look at seeking care to find the best provider, sometimes now it's coming out of pocket. So now it's having financial resources to get that better care. Um, America has done a very poor job in general with preventative care. This is why you're doing the work that you're doing. And we as public physical therapists are here to help prevent people from getting surgeries that are not necessary. Or, you know, let's talk about if you continue to Kegel, now you're having pain. Now we're getting pain medications. And it's just a slew of events that can happen. And we're talking about postpartum, but I see plenty of women that have never had children that deal with pelvic floor dysfunction as well. So this kind of goes into that third reason of sit to pee, don't squat. We're going to just talk about overall the health of the pelvic floor and a little bit of the uh, bowel movement. So we talked about um, relaxing the muscles to fully empty for bladder health. And we also want to talk about sexual health and um, also bowel health. And so those kind of go hand in hand. Our pelvic floor muscles need to relax so we can fully empty our bowel movements as well as our bladder and enjoy sexual intimacy, whether it's external or penetrative intercourse. If you chronically stand or squat to pee when you're overholding your urine, you may have a pelvic floor that lends to being very reactive or we call overreactive, meaning that it's high tone. It's not, you're going to also potentially struggle with constipation. If all day long you're overholding, if you're at work squatting to pee, now we just have all this tension in the muscles and to allow anything to penetrate a very tight muscular surface is not going to feel so great. And for women to enjoy penetrative intercourse, having arousal externally, getting that natural lubricant is so important to relax the muscles. And this is a separate conversation um, because sexual health is just not talked about. I just talked to a woman earlier this week. She's post-menopause. Her spouse passed away, but she wants to enjoy intimacy with her new partner. And she says, in my mind, I feel like I'm in my 20s. And I feel, you know, that's all great. And I want to enjoy intimacy, but it's just been written off. And she found us on Google. Um, so, you know, in general, that third reason is for good sexual and bowel health. Um, I'm not saying that you can't squat intermittently. <laughs> yes, Letitia. that's okay. We're, we're learning. I'm, we're, we're turning the pages now to be like, okay, we can see why this is an important key because we know going into that fourth decade of life, <laughs> there's also a lot of different changes that are going on with hormonal levels um, and things too. So being able to optimize our bodies and not just what we're putting in our body and movements, it's really looking at the total person. Mm-hmm. Um, as yeah, well. which includes sexual health. Sexual health, which yeah, When we look at sure. relationship health, that is important for you women to enjoy intimacy. It's not about just pleasing him or your partner. It's not about just tolerating at least they're happy. Like we are made, we are all sexual beings and it's really great for our brain, vulva health, like our uh, skin outside of the vagina, vaginal health, 
um, to have orgasms and enjoy that and have that connection with your partner. And again, this is a separate podcast episode because there's so much wrapped up, (laughs) (laughs) so much wrapped up in what I just said. We were like, what? But I would say, you know, these top three reasons, they're all really wrapped up. If we continue to squat and we're not sitting, we're creating this nerve irritability, tension in our pelvic floor. We can't empty our bladder, which could lead to leakage difficulty with penetrative intercourse or external course, as well as really not helping with constipation and constipation. Everyone is important for gut health to be on par, but constipation can also be a muscular pelvic bone joint issue, not just your gut. Oh, see that's huge right there because that's definitely one of the things that not a lot of people know as well. Even me digging diaper, digging deeper into you know, like you're saying about constipation is more than just, all right, I didn't have enough fiber today mm-hmm. or I'm just, mm-hmm. I didn't have enough water <laughs> or what. So yeah. what is, what is, nor- what's a, a normal frequency as far as bowel movements per day that mm. is recommended and what are some things if people are suffering from constipation that mm. they can institute kind of right away to help with that? Mm. Yeah, so having a bowel movement daily could be ideal. Every other day might be the bare minimum. We don't really want to go beyond that. Um, Having constipation can lead to back pain, pelvic pain, reflux, overall just feeling. If anyone's struggling with constipation, you know your symptoms. Um, And so, and it's really a way to get out the toxins in your body. and, um, And so as far as, I believe you asked like tips for constipation when it comes to like a, uh, I, I do believe your diet and water intake is phenomenally important. I just think a component that's often missed is what are the, how are you sitting to poop? There we go. Everyone sitting. So are our knees above our hips? Are you set up in a good position? Um, are you holding your breath when you poop? Are you straining too much? Are you sitting too long? So we want to be able to sit down and have a bowel movement within a couple minutes. You want to make sure that when you're bearing down that you're really exhaling gently like blowing bubbles. Um, and there's different breath noises you can use to really get those pelvic floor muscles to lengthen and relax. Um, and then there's even doing like a massage on your abdomen that can really help things. And then of course, Dr. Tish and I are both physical therapists, but I would say any healthcare provider that's into treating the whole person, movement is phenomenally important. So whether that's walking, doing your HIIT workout, yoga, um, those are all some really good tips. Besides, you know, water intake is, we know water intake, we all struggle with. That's, it can be profoundly helpful, but if you're already doing the water, because I have a lot of people who do that and they're constipated, hopefully those other tips can help. Yeah, that could be helpful. I said, and not to portray, you know, humans to dogs, but if you think about if you have a pet and a dog, like once you start walking them and exercising them, they're going to poop. So if you don't have that move, that movement is stimulating the bowels (laughs) to get to get going. So that movement part is key. A lot of people are stuck every day in front of computer screens. They Mm -hmm. sit eight, nine hours a day. And most likely to keep them awake and keep out they're drinking caffeinated drinks. Or you may be drinking water, like you said. Water game may be strong, but you're not eating. Mm-hmm. Your meals are oh, intermittent yeah. or you're, you know, you're not getting any fruits, veggies, not simulating that fiber and things to be able to get the system going. You're eating yep. at the desk, higher calorie stuff, 
higher carb stuff. You might think, oh, I got this water thing taken care of, but you're sitting, you're not getting the movement and you're not getting those, those other nutrients in to help stimulate Mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah. And I would say you're correct on not eating enough. We have to eat frequently to stimulate a reflex that helps us poop. So if you're eating once a day, that could be your problem too, which is why, you know, as pelvic PTs, we, we want to know, like, what are we doing? So often pelvic PTs are going to do a, a food diary, a bowel diary, bladder diary. So, um, so, and we love collaborating with, you know, functional medicine, integrative healthcare providers, because there truly could be, you know, a microbiome or gut issue going on. Um, but pelvic PTs are pretty quick, um, to pick that up, particularly when Dr. Letitia and I practice the way we do, because we have time to listen to you. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You don't feel rushed. You're not trying to get in and out. You don't forget, oh, I was supposed to ask this, but they rushed me out of there, rushed me out of the uh, appointment. And we know that's one of the downfalls of our our current healthcare system, or I'd like to call sick care system, is is set up just like that. I don't know how many people have come to me and like, oh, this is the most information that I've, you know, I've gotten, or people feel like you're actually listening, you know, to me. I've gone to the doctor, two and three doctors, and I still haven't this, or I've tried other physical therapy practice where I've gone there and it's been four or five people there. They send me over the corner with the bands or do some stretches. And then I do my own thing for 30 minutes. And then they say, all right, see you next time. And they're like, what, what was that? I could be doing this at home. So then you fall off the, (laughs) off the wagon and you figure if this is what physical therapy is, I don't need to do this. And why am I paying to come and do this? Yeah. And we will be talking about, uh, (laughs) A lot of the sick care model and insurance and that whole talk on, on, you know, I think a lot of people want their insurance to help pay for good care. And unfortunately, um, right now in our country, that is not going to be the case. And if you're listening to this, you know, you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I appreciate you all listening in on <laughs> sit to pee, don't squat. Um we, it led to a lot of other reasons, as you can tell, because again, the body works as a unit, but when you're out in public, if you got to put the toilet paper down to sit, please just do that. Just do that. You know, Costco has really nice bathrooms, but <laughs> the gas station, if you pull up to that on a road trip, yeah, um, you're going to have to just put the toilet paper down. That's my end. That's the end game. Use, yes. use the TP. It's yes. That's it's all good. We'll use the covers. We we will. You know that has you know switched my thinking on encouraging that the sitting down portion. So now we we see if one thing we can accomplish from this talk is that you shifted my my thinking on that. Mm, I'll keep you accountable. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can find myself at regenerate.physio. I again own a public health practice south of Atlanta, Regenerate Physiotherapy. Also have a Facebook group, Pelvic Thrive Wellness. Uh, Feel free to join that. I love to talk all about pelvic health. Dr. Letitia, how can they find you? Yes. um, I have my physical therapy practice in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, Run for Life Performance and Physical Therapy. And my wellness practice is Everyday Women Wellness, in which I focus on women over the age of 35 um, with health coaching services, taking people from decreasing the abdominal weight, boosting their energy, and wanting to move better in 
and feel better in their bodies. You can find me at Dr. Letitia PT on Instagram, as well as Run for Life Indy. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you sit. <laughs> sit. Sit. Don't squat. All right. See you later, girl. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on our Real Conversations and Journey to Feeling Better Naked. I know there are a million other things you could be doing. Sending you all the love. Check out the show notes to grab any tidbits or tools that were discussed on the episode today. And be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss next week's episode. Remember, you 